In Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 26 through 38. The word of our Lord, the Gospel of Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility so that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. It is of no surprise to most of you that I absolutely love the season of Advent. Uh, for me, Advent invokes a myriad of childhood memories. It, um, it's still something as an adult with kids of my own that I uh, count down the days toward. Um, our kids have been asking for quite some time, you know, how many more days till Christmas? And um, you know that they were really excited about Thanksgiving coming. And as we've begun the Advent season, we've begun counting down those days toward Christmas Day. But we've also begun counting down those days uh, toward our Lord's return. Advent's a season in which we prepare for the coming of Christ. Ad Adventus, a Latin term, means the coming. And... It's where we look back as a church and begin our, our liturgical year 
um, looking back on the first advent of Christ, but also looking ahead to His return, to His second coming. But it's a season in which if we walk through it purposefully, and if we walk through it intentionally, then we can find that He comes also in the midst of our ordinary lives, that He comes in the midst of our everyday He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we begin this Advent season, I want to invite you, let's celebrate the holy days. You know, the the term holiday is a uh, a blending of the two words holy and day. And these are holy days. We may get disgruntled when the, uh, the cashier tells us happy holidays, but look, folks, they're trying to protect their jobs for one thing. But the response of, of our hearts ought to be, these are indeed holy days. These are days that God is able to visit. These are days that are holy. They are special. They are unique. They are reserved. They're like the fine china that we keep put up so that it doesn't get broken. They're like what I grew up with, the, uh, the Fitz and Floyd De- decorations and the ceramic platters and, and uh, gravy boats and all that sort of stuff that you break out at Christmas Day. Those things were always nice. I still have a, uh, uh, a fascination for hand-painted uh, Fitz and Floyd type, uh, type uh, pottery. But the Bible injects that term holy with, a, with a, an endued sense of character and especially with behavioral overtones. We know that God is holy does not simply mean that God is something other than that He's something unique, but the Bible says that because He is holy, He acts a certain way. He lives out a certain character. He is faithful and dependable. He is true and just and righteous. He is merciful, slow to anger, abounding with love. And so to recognize that these are indeed Holy days ought to remind us that as His people, we're called to be holy and we should keep these days holy. They are special. They are unique. They are reserved. They're set aside. They're days for us to prepare. They're days for us to look with a sense of longing. They're days for us to look with a sense of excitement and anticipation. They're days not just where we prepare our houses by hanging greens and by putting up lights and putting out candles. They're not just days for us to put some, uh, some cider on the stovetop and smell up the house real good and enjoy a nice cup of hot cider. They're not just those days. These are days that are endued with life. They are endued with a sense of longing and purpose and expectation. Today we lit the candle of expectation. And as we lit that candle of expectation, we're reminded that in expecting we have hope. Uh, We have the, the, the truth of prophecy being fulfilled. Expectation reminds us that God has promised that He would redeem His people. And David read for us that passage, that short, short passage from Genesis 3, that little little nugget of a prophecy that God would put back to right all those things that have gone wrong. You shall strike His heel, but He shall crush your head. These are days where we remember that God has indeed come. He has indeed invaded our world. And He will invade it once again. He has established His kingdom. 
but he will consummate his kingdom when he returns. But now we stand on those in-between days. Every advent from his first coming to his second coming is a time in which we live in the reality of his kingdom. Though we look around us and we see his kingdom is not yet fulfilled. Though we look around and we see injustice. Though we look around and we still long for peace and we say, what gives, Lord? You said you would put all things back to the right. You said you would put all things to order. You said that the coming of the Messiah would make life redeemed. And it doesn't seem as such. Well, these are days for the church to live in the reality of a kingdom that has come and is yet coming. And so we look with hope. We look with prophecy, not trying to figure out what are the days and seasons and how can we mathematically figure out when Jesus is coming back or when the church is going to be stolen away from the world. These are days where we look at prophecy and we see God has always been faithful to His promises and He always will be faithful. There may be some of those promises that are not yet fulfilled, but we can count on Him because He has always been faithful. He has never left us without. He has always been good. These are days where we ask the questions, perhaps, maybe, could it be? There's always that sense of excitement as we prepare for Christmas Day, uh, even as adults. If we don't get excited and giddy about waking up on Christmas morning, there's something wrong with us, and we've all become a bunch of Scrooges, and we ought to repent because God will have none of that. In the Gospel this morning, we read of the angel Gabriel. Gabriel's name, interestingly enough, means uh, God is my strength. And he comes to this virgin named Mary, whose name means bitterness. And he promises her, fear not. God is going to do great things in you and through you. For through you and in your body, the Messiah of the world will be born. Impossible. That sort of thing doesn't happen. Who's ever heard of that? He substantiates his claim by saying, your relative Elizabeth is expecting a child. She was considered barren. She's in her old age. And she's now in her sixth month. And this just goes to show that nothing is impossible with God. He's the one who makes all things new. And He is the one who hung the stars. And He is the one who can redeem the world. And He will. He will make good on His promises. And in Mary, we see her faith in her response. Her response is not, this this isn't possible, Lord. She says, oh, angel Gabriel, how can this be? How is this possible? Not impossible, but how can this be possible? Notice she leaves the door open. And ultimately she says, behold the maidservant of the Lord, the handmaiden. Let it be so. Her response is a response of faith. Her response is a response of understanding the seeming impossibilities and yet declaring that her God is able because He is the one who has created all things and He is the one who will restore all things. 
He is both creator and redeemer. And this morning as we look at this first Sunday of Advent and what it means to live with a sense of expectation as we have lit this candle of expectation, as we look forward to the three Sundays that follow, I want to look at the idea of holy worship during these holy days. You know, what is worship? Worship, biblically speaking, is not what the pagans know, know worship to be. It is not us conjuring up something. It's not us summoning. It is not us trying to attain the divine. Instead, worship, biblically, is a responsive act. John, in his first epistle, said, We love because He first loved us. Our love, our worship is always in response to what God has done. And so, in responding to God, we respond with a sense of expectation. We respond with a sense of meeting with God. And the Scriptures of the New Testament would have us believe that as we gather together for worship, we meet not only with God, but we join in with the company of heaven. We join in with the angels and archangels and all of the hosts of heaven. The church in the New Testament understood that when they gathered for worship, and they gathered in very, very humble and very, very meager settings, mostly just in homes at first, But when they gathered, they gathered with a sense that God was in their midst. They gathered to worship Jesus and they knew that He had risen from the dead. They knew that He had ascended to the Father's right hand and they knew that He had poured out His Spirit upon them in Pentecost. And so they gathered as the people of God knowing that God was with them and looking at worship as an opportunity to participate with the activities of heaven. And so it's in the church that Paul discusses temple language. It is in the believer that Paul discusses that temple language. You are the temple of God. You know, in the Old Testament, the temple was the place where heaven and earth, heaven and earth met, where they intersected. The temple was where God dwelt on earth. You remember as we began uh, several months back, so we began walking through the Old Testament. I harped on that over and over again that you had the Holy Land was God's place and Israel was settled in that Holy Land and God established a tabernacle and then later a temple and that was God's place within God's place, within His people. And in that holy, holy temple, that holy tabernacle, you had the holy place. And inside that you had the, the, the holy, holy place. The holy of holies as we call it. And even within that you had the Ark of the Covenant. And on that Ark between the, the angels, there was the mercy seat. What Luther called the mercy seat. Heaven and earth meet in God's presence. Heaven and earth meet in temple. Heaven and earth overlap and intersect 
in the life of the church. And so as we gather together these days of Advent, as we gather with a sense of longing, as we gather with a sense of hope, as we gather digging through the prophecies and remembering that God has always been faithful and therefore He always will be faithful, as we gather together, we gather as the people of God and the house of God and we gather longing to meet with God and longing to lift up our voices, to lift up our melodies, to lift up our hearts and our minds, to lift up all of who we are, whether it be lifting our hands, whether it be lifting our faces, we gather to lift up what we have brought up into the activities of heaven. Worship is responsive. We respond because God has come. We celebrate because God is in our midst. We look to Him because He has whispered our name. This is not vain activity. This is not us just trying to move ourselves or motivate ourselves. Too often we think of church as that. It's where we go to kind of get our batteries charged so we can plug through another week, so we can just eat through life as God's people. Praise be to God. This is where we meet with God. This is where He's called us. This is where He longs to meet with us. And so we come, not just to get our batteries charged, not just to try to get a little bit of motivation to get through another six days, not just so we survive the next case of the Mondays, But this is where we gather because God has said, You, I love you. So how do we live out this holy worship during these holy days? I want to suggest to you four four ways. The first is that we find holy worship when we gather for worship with a sense of expectation. When we gather with expectation, we're thinking of our initial attitude. You walk through the doors expecting that God is going to do something. This is not hedging our bets on God. This is not gambling and hope that we're, hoping that we're right. This is banking our hopes and banking our expectations upon what God has done. He met with us last week. He'll meet with us again. He has been with me throughout the week. He'll meet me as I gather with His people. And so when we gather, we we should gather with an attitude that is longing. An attitude that initiates us into His presence, hoping for what He is to do. And excited about what He's going to do. Too many of us, I think myself included, probably more often than even you guys, we gather and it's kind of a laborious task. Oh man, the alarm's going off again. Oh, it's time to run around and try to get stuff ironed that I forgot to iron the night before. And man, got to get the kids up. Don't wake them yet. Let them sleep a little longer. We'll throw their clothes on as we're walking out the door right after they brush their teeth. At least... You know, three out of five maybe, hopefully. 
And we see our gathering together as the people of God as something that's laborious and something that's, that's to be kind of apologetic and, and, and uh, you know, just born. You know, we bear those things, we endure those things that we aren't really excited about. And I'm not asking you to come through the doors cheerleading each Sunday. I'm asking you to covenant with me that we will walk through these doors with a sense of expectation. This is not to be confused with excitement. Excitement's good. It, it, it's, it's exciting. We like getting excited. We get excited about the possibilities of getting excited. You know, even if the team's going to get destroyed, we're just excited to be there. You know, we, who knows? We might pull off an upset. Excitement's exciting. But I want us to gather with a sense of expectation that God is going to do something. And that will never happen in our lives this Advent season unless we stop ourselves. And unless we stop and realize that Christmas has not yet begun, guys. It, it begins in 25 more days. Christmas... The Christmas season, those 12 days of Christmas, those follow Christmas. It's Christmas Day and those days that follow. This is Advent. This is the time where we prepare because He's going to do something. He is going to do great things. In this season, Christmas, what we're looking toward, Advent, what we're walking through is about God in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. And if that doesn't startle us, then we will never, ever get through this Advent season with the blessings that God wants to pour out on us. We must stop and long. Holy worship we find not just with expectation, but we find it also with preparation. And this kind of, these two kind of go hand in hand. Preparation is about kind of our prior behavior. What are those things that we've done in leading us up to this sense of expectation? What are those things that we have done before we walk through those doors? What are those things that we've done before the band starts playing that first hymn? Have we prepared ourselves? And I'm not thinking here of clothing I'm not thinking of making sure you've got your best shoes on, making sure your socks coordinate with your tie. I'm talking about have we prepared our hearts? Or are we just slapping together just a 90 minute period of time where hopefully God will do something? As we gather for worship, we ought to quiet ourselves. I tell you, I will confess, last night I told Lindsay, this is probably just the most miserable I felt. This is early accountability for those that meet with me for accountability. <laughs> it was probably the most miserable I have felt on a Saturday before the first Sunday of Advent. I even sent David a text and said, pray for me. This, I'm telling you, yesterday I was stressed to the max. I was stressed out. I, was, I felt like I was running and running and running and not accomplishing anything, which Lindsay accused me of often doing. It happens. I, I felt like the day was just flying by, and, and I, I felt like, yeah, I was overwhelmed 
by the sense of stress that I felt. And I, 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 we got the kids in bed, and then I, I said, this is going to be an incredible Advent. I have been miserable today, and I am sorry that I have probably not had a good attitude. I know I haven't had a good attitude, so no probably about it, but this is going to be an incredible Advent. You know, preparation is, is about those things that we do to ready ourselves. And so often it is easy to get caught off guard by events. It is easy to get caught off guard by circumstances. You walk into a business meeting and you feel like you're land blasted by something that was completely unexpected and something that you completely just didn't prepare for. The good thing about gathering for worship with this sense of preparedness and preparation is that to prepare for worship doesn't mean you've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. It's not that you've run down a list of to-do's. Instead, preparation for worship is just a matter of slowing down and opening your eyes and ears. And I want to encourage you to covenant with me this Advent season to prepare. It's fine if we're running the rat race on Sunday mornings. That's fine. Make sure that perhaps Saturday evening, perhaps before you get the kids out of bed on Sunday morning, that you just take a few minutes to breathe and pray. Just breathe and pray. This season is going to catch you off guard. You are going to think, man, it's going to be, this is going to be the advent that I've always longed for. I'm going to have all the ducks in line. I'm going to have all the presents bought ahead of time. I'm not going to do the rat race thing. Before you know it, you will feel like you're going 90 miles per hour and the days are disappearing. You'll feel like for every four days you live, you lose six. Slow down. Prepare. Again, not a list of things to do, but simply breathe and pray. We gather for holy worship when we gather with devotion. You know, devotion, we normally, we, we've kind of made that term trite. You know, we talk about doing a devotion, and what we mean is we pick up a book and we read half a page of somebody's thoughts. But devotion really is about establishing priorities. To be devoted to something is to prioritize it. Some of us are devoted to all sorts of causes. We're devoted to fighting breast cancer. We're devoted to fighting prostate cancer. We're devoted to the military. We're devoted to, to the First Amendment. We're devoted to, you know, we put our, the ribbons on our cars, the little magnetic ribbons. You've seen them. They've got like polka dotted and camouflage, all sorts of ribbons now. But, you know, we devote ourselves to those things that we prioritize in life. Those things that we say are fundamentals. Those things that are elemental to our beliefs as people and those things that we want to be about. To be devoted to something is to be about something. And so when we gather 
for holy worship with devotion, we're prioritizing our worship. We are prioritizing that activity, that exchange that we have with God in worship. And we've got a lot of people sick today. We've got a lot of people out, and that does not in any way um, call devotion into question. But so many of us, we see worship as kind of afterthought. Well, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll spend time with the Lord. Maybe we'll spend time with His people. When we gather for worship, we're gathering as the people of God. We're gathering in the presence of God. And we're gathering to worship together. That ought to be something that we prioritize. That ought to be something that as the Hebrew writer, the writer to the Hebrew said, we do not forsake. That ought to be something that we are devoted to. And I want to encourage you that if, if you miss on a Sunday during this Advent season, go and access the podcast. Go and listen. It's just the sermon. I feel like I'm you know, playing my own commercial here. But, but go just so that you can walk with our congregation through this season together. I don't preach very long. I'm at 29 minutes right now. That's, I'll be wrapping up shortly. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. If you think, man, he's just yammering. Now you can pause it and go about your business. Finish checking your email or something. But let's walk through this season devoted together. Covenanting together that we are going to enjoy and experience this holy worship during these holy days with expectation, with preparation, and with devotion. Having prioritized our time together as the people of God having prioritized what we do as we gather. But all this means absolutely nothing unless we approach this time of holy worship with submission. I mentioned that worship is a response, but worship also calls for a response. Our response to God ought to come about naturally, but those things that are natural are not necessarily automatic. You know, it is natural for you to grow as a Christian, but that doesn't happen automatically. It is natural for you to share your faith with others. Not that you've got to beat people up. Please don't do that. Not that you've got to be the most loud and outspoken Christian. Not that you've got to wear Lord's Gym t-shirts. Please don't do that either. Um... But you know, there are things that ought to happen naturally in our lives, but that doesn't mean they happen automatically. And the natural response of our worship ought to be further response. Submission. Placing ourselves under God. Mary's response ought to be ours. May it be so. Your servant is waiting. May it be so. If worship doesn't drive us to our knees, if it does not drive us to look up to God in humble submission, then we have aborted worship. We have ended it prematurely.
these days are about Emmanuel. God with us. And these days, this season of Advent, ought to be a time where we take a bit of advice. Slow down. Slow down. God is in our midst. I, I really don't like making sports metaphors applicable to religious life or relationship with Jesus because we don't like to call Christianity a religion. I really don't like that, but this one will work. If, if, if I'm in Kroger and I'm putzing around trying to get the eggnog and get out of there and I pass by Chipper Jones and Aiden's like, Dad, I think I recognize that guy. Like, come on, let's go get the eggnog. Let's get out of here. And then I hear, oh, Chipper Jones was in Kroger. Man, I'm going to feel like I've really missed out. Now, how much more so if we just blaze through the Advent season and suddenly Christmas is here and we're yanking the decorations down because we forget that, oh, Christmas season has just begun. We're yanking them down, buy humbug, throw that old turkey away. I don't want any more turkey sandwiches. Get rid of that cranberry sauce too. You know, if, if, if we just blaze through the season and we don't take the time to slow down, we're going to miss the fact that God is in our midst and He wants to do something. He wants to meet with us. He wants to use us. And so I'll encourage you to take some more advice because this season is about Emmanuel. Walk through Advent. Like I tell Ransom when he's running down the, the front sidewalk, it's a slope, and he's running down that sidewalk, and I always say, don't run, don't run, don't run, because I'm just thinking he's about to eat it up. He's going to tear up his face, his hands, his knees. Do not run through Advent. Walk. Walk through it. How can you walk through it? I'm glad you asked. You can actually go to the church website right now from your phone, and if you click on uh, helpful resources, you'll find that, that we've, we've uploaded a simple guide to the holy days. It's like what you got last year, but instead it's PDF form on there. You can download it. You can share it with your friends. Please do on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. We'll be posting uh, feed, uh, links to it through our Twitter feed. We'll be posting it to our Facebook page. Share that with your friends, but make use of it yourself. You can go ahead and access the first four and the first four parts that will carry you up to today. It'll give you a little bit of an idea of the symbolism and you know, why we slow down these seasons and what, what it means to anticipate God in our midst, what it means to light the candle of expectation. It'll give you also some scripture readings uh, to... to uh, to invest your time throughout this week. They're very, very brief. It's very brief. It's very uh, simple to walk through. It is a simple guide. Please make use of it. Make use of it not just because we've, we've made it available to you, but make use of it because it won't take you just a few minutes to slow down and to walk through this season. And we'll be walking through it together.
because with you, I want to make sure that I gather each week with this sense of expectation, with this sense of preparation, with this sense of devotion, and with this sense of submission. This season is not about a checklist of legalism to try to get through to make sure that we've done all the right things for Christmas. This season is about a spirit-led life. A life where we yield ourselves, where we put ourselves under, where we, where we submit ourselves humbly before our Lord. And we look to His coming and we look to His return. And we look for what He's going to do in our lives each day. And so our prayer, the prayer of our hearts, ought to be, Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Come. Come into the midst of my ordinariness. Come in the midst of my terrible Monday. Come in the midst of my Thursday that I'm just hoping to get through so I can get to Friday. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Let's pray.